Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Lamp Under My Feet. This is Ron and today we're going to be taking a look at contemporary music from a Christian perspective. Um, first and foremost, um, we're going to just jump straight into this today. I'm not going to worry about it. This is kind of a longer outline, so I'm just going to go ahead and you know, kind of go straight into it. But taking a look at the reality that music is one of the biggest, if not the biggest influence in our lives. And if you don't believe me, let's let's kind of break this down a little bit. Okay, so I've got five major points that we can look at and see that music actually influences us, whether we want to accept it or not. So we've got movies, and you know, movies have soundtracks, and uh, it makes the scene. Uh, so many movies have music in them that add to the scene, add to the emotions of a scene, whether it's a horror movie or this, that, or the other. There's all these different um, influences in the movies and then restaurants for ambiance. You've got all these different types of music and they help to build the atmosphere. You've got stores, malls, bars, everything that you see, all these these forms of uh, these outlets of entertainment and places that we go, they all have music as background things to enhance the experience. And no matter what you do, if you go out into the stores, the malls, or whatever like that, different parts of the year, you'll see, uh, depending on the holiday, you'll have Christmas music or, you know, different things like that. So you, you see the music helps to influence what you're doing, what you're buying, what you're doing, and also like bars and clubs, you know, they play music to help, you know, enhance the experience for people that are patronizing those uh, types of establishments. And you also have uh, music to study to, music that people fall asleep to. You've got ringtones on your phones that if you choose a ringtone that you want based on the music that you like, based on maybe a particular person has a certain ringtone in your phone because of a certain connection you have to that person into that song. And then also we have background music at work. We have background music in elevators. We have the radio while we're driving. So everything that we do has music incorporated into it. Literally almost every moment of our day, rather we're either actively listening to music or we're at least bystanders in places or situations where we're exposed to music. Um, you know, these things are making an impact on us whether we want to accept that or not. So recognizing this should make us consider that because of the power music has in our lives, we should be attentive to what we listen to and what we place before us. So I did my due diligence on this uh, topic. So what I basically wanted to do was break down, and also this can be uh, something that I've, you know, I've already kind of decided I want to do a part two to this. I've already decided that I want to, you know, make this a continuing thing with this particular topic. This is not the only time I'm going to address this on this podcast. But um, so I looked up basically ten songs, the top ten songs. Now when I say last week, this was not this this week right now, Friday. Um, March the 26th, I think today is. This was last week, uh, the week of the uh, 13th and 14th of last weekend. So that's the week that uh, these songs, so they may have changed uh, by now. That's why I say this. So I'm gonna, just going to name off the top 10 songs that, I, that were there. And um, this was Billboard.com's Top 100 in Pop Music. I listened to them, and number one, we have Drivers. These are in the order of the ranking. Number one was Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Number two was Up by Cardi B. Three was Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Four was 34 plus 35, Ariana Grande. Five was Go Crazy, uh, Chris Brown and Young Thug. Six was Save Your Tears by The Weeknd. Seven was Mood by 24 Golden featuring Ian Dore. I guess that's how you say his name. 
Uh, number eight was Calling My Phone by Lil J featuring Six Lack, Six Slack, Slack, I don't know. Um, number nine was What You Know About Love by Pop Smoke. And number 10 was Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring Da Baby. D-A, baby, duh, baby. Um, yeah, so I listened to all these songs, right? Um, some of them, I'm going to admit, I, I, I like them. I've got some reflections on that, and uh, basically that's what I'm going to give you. So all but three of these songs had profanity um, heavily laced throughout them. And even of those words, uh, and even of those three songs, excuse me, those three songs that basically didn't have profanity in them, one of them still used the F word in the lyrics, uh, which was Driver's License, which I was actually kind of disappointed in because up until that point in the song, I really was vibing with it. Um, many of these songs use the F word, the N word, mostly the rap songs. Um, five of these songs specifically had um, explicit sex as the theme and focus of the lyrics of the song. So, like, I don't mean just alluded to or had uh, nuances or innuendos. I mean, like, the lyrics, the, the, the topic of the song was written for discussion of explicit sex. Ariana Grande, uh, for example. I'm not even going to repeat what she said, but you can Google those lyrics if you want to. I don't encourage you to, but if you want to, you can. You'll see uh, very, very explicit lyrics. Um, not just uh, language, but the stuff that she's talking about. And not, that's not just that one song, but this is the type of music that's on the top ten list here. Um, the only song that didn't have explicit language or sex in it was Levitating. Um by Dua Lipa featuring DaBaby, and DaBaby actually had a verse uh, in there where he says he's levitating because he's medicated. So the messages of all these songs, they're either songs that glorify brokenheartedness, uh, sex, drugs, and language of the most vulgar vulgar nature, excuse me. Um, they sound nice. Now here's on the, on the flip side of that. They do sound nice. They have a good beat, and they're pleasing to the ear to the point that we're willing to overlook the message of those lyrics. And this is the dangerous part that I want to address that they sound good, they do have a good beat, and they are pleasing to the ear. But because of all these things, we're willing to compromise to overlook the message of the lyrics. We're so dangerously distracted by the melody that we're literally putting evil in our hearts. This should be a frightening thing to those who fear God. Now, first off, before I move on to Christian songs, because, yeah, that's right, I did Christian songs too, um, I want to take just a second before I transition to that and just say this. Not all these songs... Um, Secular music as a whole, I don't believe secular music in and of itself is is wrong, is evil, it's sinful. I don't believe that. I don't I'm not one of those people that only listens to Christian music. I I, I like to listen to a little bit of this, a little bit of that. However, I do think that we need to definitely, as Christians and people who fear God, need to take a certain level of discernment into what we listen to. For example, Ariana Grande, um, the weekend's not terrible, but you know, some of his stuff can be a little bit misleading. Up by Cardi B. I literally made it 14 seconds. I actually wrote that down to say that for this podcast was I actually only made it 14 seconds into that song because of how disgusting it was to me. Um, and I don't say that to be self-righteous. It's just it's legitimately a disgusting song. Um, but, you know, we see all these different songs and um, these different you know, these different themes. And it's just one of those things where this is the top. And here's another thing to think about, right? Um, these songs 
are the top 100 in pop music because of the plays that they're getting, because of the requests that they're getting, because of the downloads that they're getting, because of the purchases that they're getting. These songs are the top 10 because America is making them the top 10. So this is not just, you know, one or two people. This is a reflection on our society. These types of music, these types of songs, these types of lyrics, these types of themes, these types of explicit content full songs, this is what our society wants. This is what our society desires. We desire that medicated, uh, drunken stupor type of party atmosphere where, you know, frivolous sex is just the, you know, it's a constant seeking the gratification of the flesh. And I just really, to me, that kind of just, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a, you know, super sane or anything like that. Anybody that knows me personally can attest that there was a time in my life where I was, I was led astray by these things, just like many people still are. The only difference is that God has rescued me out of that. Jesus has, has delivered me out of these things. The Holy Spirit has moved in my life. And that is the only reason that I'm not still living a lifestyle in accordance with some of the themes of these songs. So I'm saying that, you know, I'm kind of making myself vulnerable here so that way I can let anybody listening know that this stuff is not, you know, I'm not sitting in judgment on these things as somebody who doesn't understand. I feel where you're coming from listening to this music. It's hard to break from because it's everywhere you turn to. And um, it's just one of those things like we need to take really, really good inventory of what we listen to because, like I said, these things that you listen to, for example, when you go driving, the faster a song is, the, the mood that the song projects, it makes you drive a certain way. Now, if that's just something as simple as the car that you're driving and that you're aware of, imagine the things that music does to you when you're not aware. Imagine the influences it can have on you when you're not aware. Um, that's why I say let's be careful about this music. And honestly, these top 10 songs on Billboard.com, like, they're trash. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, I'm not saying that the music themselves, like, you know, the type of music that it is is necessarily bad, but the lyrics, the messages, all this kind of stuff, this is honestly just trash music. And I, I don't really think anybody who's a Christian, I don't mean just somebody who goes to church, but somebody who follows the scriptures, somebody who actually has a relationship with Jesus and fears God and wants to honor God with their life. I don't believe that you have any business with any of these people on your uh, playlist on your phone. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, you're, you're going to hell if you listen to any of this music. I'm not going to sit there and say that. But what I am going to say is, you know, there's a point where once you become aware of uh, certain truths, you know, you do become responsible for what you do with that information. So um, I encourage any Christians listening to this, um, you know, this part specifically is more directed towards Christians than anybody who is maybe a non-believer. Um, you know, take inventory of what music you listen to. Does your music glorify God? Anyway, so let's move on. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I did the same thing basically with the top 10 Christian songs that I found. And, um, I really don't, I wasn't able to find them on pop, uh, or excuse me on billboard.com, but I did find them on this website called popvortex.com. This was the same week. And, um, so the top 10 for that was number one, it was hold on to me by Lauren Daigle. Uh, number two is help is on the way by Toby Mack. Three is truth be told by Matthew West. Four is less like me by Zach Williams. Five is Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham. Six is Good God Almighty by Crowder, the radio version. Seven is You Say by Lauren Daigle. Eight is There Was Jesus by Zach Williams. Nine is Say I Won't by Mercy Me. And ten is Good God Almighty uh, by Crowder. 
and I guess that's there's a difference because they're on there. Six is the radio version, ten is the uh, non-radio version. So I'm not exactly sure what the discrepancy was on that because um, I did listen to these like about a week ago. So it's not completely. Um, I don't remember what the difference was on those two songs as far as like maybe it was the length or something like that. But anyway, um, so let me just go ahead and give you a, a little bit of my thoughts on those because. Uh, Maybe counterintuitively, um, how should I word this? Some of the things that I'm going to say might not be what you think I'm about to say about it. So initially, um, obviously all these songs were clean as far as the language. But clean doesn't necessarily mean Christian. Um, what I noticed was that the tune of these songs were really much the same as those of the secular pop music counterparts. So... Um, with the exclusion of, you know, like the, the rap music and, and, you know, trap type of music is a little bit not as much found in, you know, contemporary Christian music. But a lot of the music, the, the, melodi the am I saying it right, the melodic aspect of it was um, not, not as different as you would think. Um, the only real difference was in the lyrics. Um, many of these songs have lyrics that... Um, to me personally, they reflect a very dangerously shallow level of biblical truth. This is basically, I found that now, keep in mind, I'm not talking about all of Christian contemporary worship music. I'm not trashing all the Christian radio stations. I'm not doing that. I'm just talking about, you know, like what I'm seeing based on, and we're going to go into a little bit of detail on this, is that a lot of contemporary Christian music that you see on the radio is basically just churched up pop music, and it's really nothing more than that. So the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit guided messages of the old hymns are basically extinct in our days now. And the only song now, I will say this: uh, they they do sound good. Um, and honestly, Zach Williams, I'm not a huge fan of Zach Williams. Um, it's just personal preference. I don't have a real like reason. It's just some of his song, like uh, "There Was Jesus" by Zach Williams with Dolly Parton, has just been played on the radio so much. If you listen to Christian radio, you know that I'm talking about. Like that song is just played out. It's a good song. It's a good solid biblical message. It's really um, Zach Williams. I like his music. It's just that that song is so played out. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, the only song that I really loved was the song Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham. It has a solid, biblically sound set of lyrics, and it basically just focuses on God's power alone, and it doesn't promote a gospel of self. That's an important thing to remember here. There's nothing wrong with having self-esteem, but many of today's Christian songs are about affirming one's identity and not actually glorifying God. There's nothing wrong with having self-esteem and knowing who you are in Jesus, but you shouldn't be looking to affirm your own greatness through the Bible. You should be using the Bible to affirm God's greatness and how he's able to use you to continue to glorify himself. Because that's, I mean, that sounds maybe to somebody who doesn't understand the nature of, you know, people being used for God's glory and regeneration for the purpose of glorifying God. That sounds maybe like God's a little egotistical, but God is God and we're the creation, not the creator. And I have other, you know, biblical references I could allude to with this, but I don't have the time on this particular podcast. But um, I, that's something I'll keep in mind for the future. But we have an obscenely self-absorbed, and I say that very heavily. Like, hear my, hear my language, my word choice on this. This is what, uh, and I mean this. We are so obscenely self-absorbed, and we've wandered from our purpose of worshiping God for who He is, and now we've begun to let a self-glorifying gospel replace it. 
we're starting to say that God exists to glory. You know, we're, yeah, God is good, whatever, and we believe in Jesus. But because of our faith in God, we expect blessings to just abound. Um, like basically God exists to give us stuff. And it's a really self-glorifying gospel. And that's where you hear a lot of prosperity gospel type um, labels being thrown onto stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying that all Christian music is, is saying this, but I'm saying that's why it's important to look at the lyrics and not just listen to the beat of the music. Much of this Christian music is lacking in biblical context on these top 10, and they can be considered love songs. For example, now I'm not hating Lauren Daigle. Hear me out, please. I know there's a lot of people that might like Lauren Daigle music, and but, but hear this. The hit song, You Say, it only has one line, and I actually looked at the lyrics. I listened to the song. I've heard it a number of times, and I looked at the lyrics line by line. There's only one line in that whole song that mentions God and the rest of the song, the, the way it sounds, the, the, the tune, the lyrics, everything. It could literally be a love song that's played to somebody's husband or wife. It is such a world-friendly song that it's played on secular radio stations that the same radio stations that play Cardi B and Justin Bieber um, some of his older stuff that they're playing that stuff on, and this is a, a this is a serious problem if you think about it. Um, that y if you're a Christian singer and your songs are so uh, compromising that you can play them on regular radio stations and nobody's bothered, then your song might not actually be a Christian song because it's lacking in content. Now that doesn't mean that you just go around, you know, offending people for the for the sake of offending people or offending people for offenses' sake. But at the same time, we do recognize that the scriptures itself say that the message of the gospel is inherently offensive because it calls man to understand his own unrighteousness, his own wickedness, and acknowledge his own faults, and not just in a way that you know, you know, like saying nobody's perfect, but really understanding. The holiness of God. You can't understand your own sinfulness unless you understand God's holiness. Now, we can never fully comprehend that, but yet having some kind of a right understanding of that through you know, studying the gospel and asking God to reveal himself to you will open your eyes to see what in your life is unlike Christ and seeing the, trans, seeing the, the gap between God and us in ourselves and, and our character and, and how far our sin has separated us from God. You know, that it's one of those things where that that's that's the message of the gospel is how is that reconciled except through Christ? And when you have songs that don't reflect that same level of theology as Christian music and you label it as gospel or label it as Christian music, it's it's actually not. And uh, the lyrics, if the lyrics of a Christian song don't make sinners uncomfortable, because now when I say sinners, I mean, you know, everybody's a sinner. You know, even people who were saved, we were once sinners, but we are no longer because of Christ. And, you know, our, our faith, you know, he has, he's done the work, not us. But people who continually live in sin, that's when I say, what I mean when I say sinners. But if, if you can play songs that make sinners comfortable, then it's not a Christian song. Now, of course, that's my own, you know take it for what it's worth, but I, I really do think that's something I can stand by there. For example, the scriptures do say, what fellowship does light have with darkness? So, you know, if I'm a Christian artist, do I want my music, Is my music, if my music's able to be played on the same stations as, you know, that song WAP, you know, and if I can have my songs played on that same station or played by the same 
Broadcasting Network, is my music really that Christian? So let's go back to um, secular music. Think about this. Five out of those ten songs, half, half of those songs, out of the top ten hip-hop chart songs in the U.S. last week, had sex explicitly as their theme. And this, like I said before, speaks directly to the depravity of our world today. Now, I've got a few scriptures here. I'm not going to be as long as I was on some of my other ones of scriptures, but... I do think there's a couple in here, and you might hear me typing a couple of things because my microphone's right next to my laptop, and I do have my um, tab open so I can just pull the uh, scriptures up on my computer. It's easier that way. But here's some scriptures to consider that deal directly with music and praise and worship. So first off is Psalm 71:23, and it's David saying, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. So we see that David's talking about that he is going, you know, his his worship is is there. He's shouting for joy when he sings praise because he recognizes he's been delivered. That he is he's been delivered by God, and and for many as, as Christians, we that's the way we see it because we've been delivered from a life of sin, and because of our gratitude, because of our you know our desire to praise Him for what He's done in our lives, um, you know that's that, that's one purpose of that. Um, and then Psalm 150, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet and praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. And verse 5 says, Praise Him with a clash of cymbals and praise Him with resounding cymbals. So what do we see here? You know, the psalmist is once again saying to praise God for all these different reasons, his greatness, and um, praise him in the sanctuary. And it gives different ways we can praise God with instruments. So there's nothing um, there's nothing wrong with using instruments. There's nothing wrong with, with using different types of music. So, I mean, there is some freedom there. So I want that to be clear to people who might. There are some people out there who are so conservative that they, they don't even think the instruments should be used in churches. They think you should just do a cappella. And... Um, Quite clearly, Scripture says, "You yes, Scripture does say, yes, not only can you, but you are to praise Him with instruments. Um, so there is a little bit of freedom in that. And I think that's something important for us to remember as we look at not just Christian music, but also secular music as well. And, um, and then for Psalm 40, now a lot of these come out of Psalm just because um, Psalm is, you know, it's basically a book of worship and of, of worship songs. Um, but anyway, so Psalm 40, verse 1, For the director of music of David is Psalm. Um, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the muck, or excuse me, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So this is basically, I mean, and this personally has a, uh, a connection to me because this is kind of like my testimony. Like I was in a place in my life where I was completely lost in my sin. I was completely, I knew what the truth was, but I wasn't living it. And I was completely uh, separated from God because of the life that I had been living. And it literally took the hand of God pulling me out of that. I, I tried so hard on my own to uh, stop my bad habits and my, you know, break my addictions on my own. And I just couldn't. And um, it took me getting to a place of utter brokenness, utter shame, utter humility, and um, complete acknowledging my weakness 
to allow God to have the glory in that situation where he redeemed me and put me out of it. So he's basically, you know, that's why, you know, Psalm 40, like when I say these three verses, I can, I can personally connect with these and, um, you know, so hopefully that gives you a little bit of a, a little bit of reference for that. Um, Daniel chapter three, verses four through seven. And after this, we only have one more, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend too much longer on this, I promise. Uh, but Daniel chapter 3, verse 4, Then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and peoples of every language. This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. And... Therefore, in verse 7, therefore, as soon as they had heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. I think that we look at this, and what can we draw from this? This music, they were told, this was, you know, obviously King Nebuchadnezzar. If you're familiar with this passage of scripture, this is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, refused to worship this uh, image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And, um, you know, they're thrown in the furnace, and God, you know, Jesus basically shows up in the furnace with them and delivers them out of it, and they're not even touched by the flames at all. But we do see here prior to this that they they, they protested the use of music in the protest of worshiping a false god. And I believe that if we're not careful, we can be deceived into doing the same thing. We may not be physically bowing down to a, an actual image, but we are still committing the same sins when we glorify these topics of these songs and we put these things above uh, above God in our lives. So now this last scripture passage is a little bit lengthy, so I'm going to um, basically kind of run through it really quick. Um, but this is also on the flip side of that. This is talks about how you know, music and, and worship and praise is actually powerful. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns with God and the other prisoners. This was actually after they'd been arrested for casting a demon out of this girl who they were using. Uh, people in this town were using this girl to uh, basically tell fortunes. And when um, Paul cast a demon out of this girl, they lost their money flow. So basically they arrest, they had them arrested. Uh, because they were uh, they were mad that they weren't making any money anymore. So anyway, they were in jail about about midnight, and they were singing hymns, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chain, chains came loose. And the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And this was a Roman guard, so you got to think, you know, these guys are you know highly trained soldiers, and if this kind of stuff happens, then they're going to be executed. Uh, but Paul shouts, don't harm yourself because we're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And he immediately went and all his house were baptized. Um, yeah, so what do we see here? We see quite plainly that God shows up when worship is given to him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said uh, to the woman of uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, is that we are to call, you know, worshiping in spirit and in truth. And uh, when those things happen, Jesus shows up. 
it's not just a you know a little feeling sometimes yes maybe you do need to feel god's presence but we see here in acts that this very real uh encounter with god delivering them out of the jail and it wasn't just so they would be free but by them being released yes they would continue to preach the gospel but also you see that even from the beginning of you know this this particular event people are still being reached even this even this guard and his whole house were baptized they received the gospel because they had seen God's power through this. And how did God's power, um, how was he invited into that situation? But by the praise and the worship of his people who were, you know, Paul and Silas in this situation. So anyway, um, I just wanted to share those scriptures that, you know, they, they show what, you know, the Bible says about worship and what it says about music and what it says about praise, how we're to praise, what we're to praise, who we're to praise, how we're to do it, and uh, what can happen you know, when uh, when it's done correctly and also, you know, motivations for why and, um, you know, all this different stuff. So, But we are to judge the things around us, and the Bible does give us that authority. 1 Corinthians 2.15 and John 7.24 do talk about that. I'm not going to read those because I don't want to spend too long on Scripture on this one. But um, we also want to look at, there's three quotes uh, or three things I want to talk about with specifically Johann Sebastian Bach. So he's a famous composer, but many people don't know he's actually an extremely devout Christian. And um, there's two quotes of his. And the first one that I want to share is, Music is an agreeable harmony for the honor of God and the permissible delights of the soul. And the second one is that the final aim and reason of all music is nothing other than the glorification of God and the, ref and the refreshment of the Spirit. And... Um, this is what he did. You know, he, uh, the third thing I want to share about Johann Sebastian Bach was that he signed his music with the phrase soli deo gloria, which is Latin for to the glory of God alone. And he wrote much of his music for the use in churches, uh, for the use of the churches of his day. Um, you know, so take this, this isn't just, you know, my opinion, but this is, you see this even from a man who was, you know, this Bach also had his feet in both camp so to speak he was also he was a, a, a heavily devout cr uh, christian who was writing music for church but he was also writing symphonies and orchestra you know be per to be um, conducted and performed before people as entertainment yet he stayed true to his convictions now not only has music strayed from this level of sanctitude uh to songs like wop and mumble rap and country songs of today the glory and the sinful party culture many of us Many around us uh, enjoy while pretending to follow Jesus, but even the theology of our gospel songs has changed. So I want to share a couple of these uh, two songs with you, and I'm going to briefly read. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read the lyrics of this. So, Abide With Me. These are two of my favorite old hymns. These were written probably back in the 1700s, if not uh, 1800s or something like that. These are definitely dated, but uh, listen to the, the theology here. Listen to the the the... the I guess the weight of the lyrics. Um, the first stanza is from the song Abide With Me. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. And the second one is from, you know, um, Great is thy faithfulness. I think a lot of people, especially Protestants, hear this one a lot. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Now look at this song. Um, the lyrics of this song, this is a contemporary Christian song. Um, 
God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Is God good to us? Absolutely. But is that all we have to say about God? If that's the only testimony we can have, like, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. And some people, like, I'm not trying to say that they're wrong for, you know, fine. Some people can genuinely worship with these, with these lyrics. However, look at the difference in theology here. We can see that even in our gospel music and our Christian worship music, the message is being watered down. So it's not as offensive. It's not as direct and it's not as explicitly Christian as it used to be. I mean, we really see this in um, one of these songs. I know I'm going to step on some toes here in the Christian community, but that song, The Blessing, with Carrie Job, I mean, yes, it is literally pulled out of that blessing that Aaron gives in, uh, I think it's the book of Numbers or Leviticus. I don't I can't remember which one, but in the Old Testament Torah, um, there's that blessing, you know, may the Lord, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, and you know, all these different things. And they make this song using that as the primary lyrics. However, there's literally, if you listen to the live version, there are literally minutes where the only thing they say are the words amen and and your children. It's kind of a little bit creepy because they're just saying like amen and they're just doing this over and over and over and over again and it's just repetitive and it's kind of almost like they're in a trance. They're not even it's not like there's a difference uh, in worshiping and being like you know hypnotized. And then there's that song uh, or in the same song they're saying and your children. See, amen, I could even kind of understand how you could kind of fall into like a, a meditative worship state in that. But with And Your Children, there's a song in the same song that goes, you know, and your children and your children and your children and their children and their children. And I'm just like, and it goes on for minutes. We've basically, okay, Christians, we've lost our depth in understanding God's word and it shows up in our worship. That's why so many of us think that the old hymns are outdated. Newer doesn't always mean better. Let me say that again. We have lost the depth in our understanding of God's word, and it shows in our worship. And that's why we think that these new, these old hymns are outdated. We think, well, those are just old songs that my great-grandparents probably listened to in church. and They're not as relevant today. They're different as old, and these lyrics are new. Yes, okay, there's nothing wrong with changing uh, some of the lyrics to reflect the contemporary language of the times, but have we lost the depth have we lost the how's a good way to put it have we lost our our understanding our knowledge our fear of god have we lost our reverence for the word of god i think we have for many of us not all of us but many of us and this is where it shows up in our worship song that's why like i said that's why many of us think that these these old songs are outdated I know that I kind of repeated myself there, but I really wanted to kind of, you know, hammer that one home. I feel that's an important thing to say. Um, so we've kind of examined it, but here's some questions as a Christian to reflect um, on, when, you know, basically things to consider when we're examining music and what we're listening to. Number one, who sings it? What can we tell about the song just by who the artist is? For example, artists and their music do have reputations. As a whole, people tend to flock to artists because they have a reputation for producing good music or not, right? For example, Cardi B's a big name, Lil Wayne, big name, all these different people, um, you know, enter whatever, you know, or insert whatever artist you want to, but if you 
don't, you know, if, if these artists didn't have reputations, you wouldn't be drawn to them. So what can we tell about the, the music just by who it is? Do they have a reputation for cursing a lot? Do they have a reputation for sexually explicit lyrics? They, like, you know, all the different songs like WAP and Cardi B. And I'm just using that as an example go-to because it's just something that, you know, it's it's very in your face. And it's so explicit. It's just, I can't even, honestly, I can't even believe that, that kind of stuff is, I, I can believe it and I can't. It's like, I can believe it, but yet I, I it's almost... It's like you're all like you're watching it happen, but you don't really understand it. Um, number two, the name of the song and the lyrics. What is the song about? What do they say? What are these lyrics about? Um, what's the name of the song? What genre is the song? You can tell a lot by that. Is it a secular rap song? Is it is it like old you know secular country music? Which I'll be honest, I don't like a lot of new country music. Modern country music is also trash. Um, how does it affect your walk with Christ? Does the music that you listen to build you up, or is it numbing you to his voice? Does the music you listen to honor God, and is it in line with scripture? With Christian music specifically, research what the artist and the group that you're listening to believes and teaches. For example, there's a lot of uh, teaching that Hillsong and Bethel have that I'm not going to get into right here with this. and I'm not going to slander them on this podcast. However, there are some very very wild things that are unbiblical that these churches are teaching that they're placing in uh, you know these mainstream modern Christian uh, music outlets so let's consider this right so music is nostalgic and it can awaken thoughts and emotions that are in you that are it can, it can do it so powerfully that they can bring back memories from decades before. That's why so many people who are especially considerably older talk about songs that bring you back, right? This is dangerous power because it can arouse worship in your heart or it can arouse evil. These thoughts that, you know, they can also be reminders of events where you revisit the condemnation of your sins. God doesn't call us to live in condemnation for our sins, especially those things that he's forgiven us of. So don't choose to revisit that feeling of being condemned by listening to a song that you know is connected with things that is that, that are wicked. Protect your heart, basically, is my message with this. Protect your heart by examining the songs that you listen to. And if it doesn't glorify God, I would I would just suggest you throw it away completely. Are you going to, you know, basically, are you going to be serious about God or are you going to keep playing with evil thinking that God will accept that behavior? Because I say this, don't be deceived because those who walk according to the flesh are not of God but of the flesh. This is what scripture says. No matter if you think you're saved or not, okay, these things are not acceptable for God's children. Now, having said that, I do want to end this podcast on a little bit of a positive note. I don't want to just sound like I'm bashing music as a whole. I just, you know, the main thing here to think about, the, the, the takeaways that I really want to leave you with, having presented all this, is that number one, not all music is evil, okay? Not all secular music is evil, and not all Christian music is actually Christian. It's just, I want to take this opportunity to present to you different, you know, part perspectives, different things in, in these songs and, and and give you an opportunity to really exercise some discernment when you're listening to music because it really does matter. I know it may not seem like it sometimes, but it really does matter what you listen to. And um, those things come out of you. Those things, those attitudes, those things that, that are placed there, they come out of you whether you want to be there or not. So um, not all music is evil. 
not all, you know, not everything on there. You don't, I'm not saying if you're a Christian, you should only listen to Christian music. And if you're listening to anything other than Christian music, you're going to hell. That's absolutely not what I'm saying here. <laughs> so let me be explicitly clear. Um, but I do think that there is a lot wrong with secular music and there is a, there is a lot wrong with Christian music as well. There's, you know, think critically, examine yourself and, um, really get into the word of God and understand what it says and correspond that to the music that you listen to. Um, thanks for everybody who's listening to this. Um, if you're listening for the first time, thank you, um, for giving me your time. I appreciate it. Um, as always, this is not a monetized podcast. I don't ask for donations. I don't ask for Patreon. Um, I don't believe in making money off of ministry in any way, shape or form. Um, but I do appreciate you supporting by listening and please just give it a good old fashioned word of mouth recommendation to somebody that you know. Um, they might be interested in some of the stuff that we're talking about on this podcast. And um, yeah, so Easter's coming up, you guys. Next weekend's Easter, and um, I'm going to go a little bit out of order. I know that originally I had, for those of you who follow me on Facebook, I did a poll about which podcast uh, topic I was going to tackle next, and I think it was after this one it was going to be hypocrisy. I do have an outline for that, and we are going to be doing that podcast. However, because of Easter being next weekend, um, I'm going to take Good Friday as an opportunity to discuss what prophecies in the scriptures Jesus actually fulfilled. There's numbers and numbers of them. So we're going to talk about it because uh, Resurrection Sunday is coming, and uh, it's important to know why Christians, why we believe um, Jesus is who he said he was. Uh, who he said he is, because he's not dead, he is alive, he is risen, and um, we have to understand what does the scripture say about Jesus, and to understand what he fulfilled, and how he proved himself to be the Messiah, and um, it's just a really fitting topic, I think, for Easter, so thanks again, everybody who's listening, and I'm about to wrap this up now, I just want to, you know, give a big shout out to everybody, um, personally, who has spoken to me on this podcast, um, who may be listening to this now or later, but uh, thanks again. Um, stay tuned for this next podcast. It should be uploaded next weekend, either Friday night or Saturday sometime. It's going to be done before Sunday. So that will be on uh, next weekend. Thanks again for everything. Um, spread this word of mouth, please, if you don't mind. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And I uh, look forward to seeing everybody on the next one. God bless you.